We have relationship with our God. He says, or to finish that, he says, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now think about it. Paul has lost a lot of things. He was nearly, sh- he was shipwrecked a number of times and in different places. He goes on and he lists all of these things. He nearly died and he, he was bitten by a snake and, and all of these other things that should have killed him. <coughs> and yet he's still alive serving Christ. All right. And so he's saying all of these things I consider loss and uh, for whose sake, Christ's sake, I have lost everything. Sometimes, think about it this way. Sometimes when you become a Christian, one of the hardest things to deal with is how other people view you, your reputation. Right? So what are other people going to think of me now that I am a believer in Christ Jesus the Lord? Are they going to think I'm some wacko? Well, they might. They might. They probably will. Okay? Are they going to think I'm one of those holy rollers? Bible thumpers. thumpers. All right? All kind of stuff. People got their own ideas of what Christianity is, right? And one of the hard things is letting go of our, uh, what, what other, our, what we think others' perceptions are of us. That's hard to say. Okay? So it's hard for us. We might be embarrassed at times uh, bringing somebody to church because of the things that happen, the, where, the, the, the way that people raise their hands to the Lord. I remember as a young man, I was, I was a little concerned about bringing people to church because of what might happen on a Sunday morning, okay? The Spirit of God moves, and you just don't know what's going to happen. All right? But Paul is saying, I have lost everything for the sake of my Lord. I've suffered. He says, I've been put in chains. I've been in jail. But listen, listen to this. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And listen to this, and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law or comes from learning or anything like that, but that which is through faith in Christ the Lord. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of, of faith. The righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Now faith faith is something that you can't see. It's something that you believe in very strongly. And he's saying based on faith. That faith in Christ Jesus the Lord. And he is saying to us to the reader, to anyone who will listen, all of these things in my pre-Christ life, I consider them garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ the Lord. All of it is garbage compared to knowing Christ the Lord. 
And he goes on, and he says, I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings. Now, wait just a minute. I draw the line right there. I'm willing to celebrate the resurrection of Christ, and I want to be involved in the Holy Spirit moving, and and I want to be involved in revival and all that stuff. But when it comes to the sufferings, you can pass that on to somebody else. I don't want none of that. But listen, he's saying, I want it. If it cost me everything, that's what I want. I want to know Christ. I want it real. I don't want the fake. I want the truth. I don't want to lie. The world today, friends, is trading the truth of God for a lie. And the Bible says in these words, it has a form of godliness, but denies the power therein. This world has a form of God, godliness, but it has no power. It has no truth. It has no meat behind it. Do you hear what I'm saying? They would use it to accomplish their own goals. Jesus tells the story of a, a person that purchased some land. Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is explaining the kingdom of God. And he explained the kingdom of God in many different ways. And in this instance, he's telling in, in, in a little story, the parable is a, is a little story, all right, that people, um, that has like hidden meanings and, and th- different things like that. But he goes on and he says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. All right. Now let's just say, well, let me finish reading this here. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all that he had. And he bought that field. And that's the story. Okay. So if you and I were looking to purchase some real estate, maybe a piece of land um, in a a wooded area, okay? I've I've thought of purchasing a piece of land maybe in Pennsylvania somewhere where I could go and, you know, maybe someplace near some water or something where I could put a little cabin in there, you know? So, So maybe in my searches I would come across this piece of property you know, and the property itself is, is okay. I mean, location's all right, you know, needs a bit of work and, and so on and so forth. But on this property, I find this very valuable oil spring. But nobody knows about it. And as, so I would, I'd cover that all back up, and in my joy, I'd, I'd go back home, and, and I don't really have the cash to put down on this property, so, so I, I sell just about everything I have, everything I have, as a matter of fact, to purchase that property because there's potential there. There's something there that's worth more than anything I got by far. And so I go home, and I sell my home, I sell all my vehicle, I sell everything to make enough to get what I found there, because that treasure is worth so much. 
And Jesus is saying, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's as if a man was going to purchase some property and he finds this massive pearl there and he knows that that pearl is worth more than the property and it's worth more than anything that he's got. So he goes home and he sells off everything he can and he purchases that property. Why? Why does he sell and get get rid of everything that he's got to get that property? Because What's in that property is worth more than anything else. And that is what Paul is saying when he says, I consider all of this stuff. You see, this guy had to go and get rid of things that were dear to him, didn't he? In order to purchase that property. But the property was worth so much more than what he had. He counted the cost. He crunched the numbers, you follow me? He crunched the numbers and found that what was on that property, that pearl, that oil well, was worth more than anything in his whole life. The kingdom of God is that pearl. The kingdom of God is that oil well. And when you see the worth that is in the kingdom of God, the, the, the worth in knowing Christ Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are willing to give up what people think about you. You follow me? You're willing to give up your former life. You're willing to give up everything in order to gain Christ. And I would say, that is a good investment. That would seem to be risky, wouldn't it? To find something like that and to sell everything that you got and put all of your eggs in one basket, as they would say. Wouldn't it? So you're putting all of your eggs in one basket, and if that don't, if that don't go, you are done. Why? Because you got rid of everything else to get that one thing. So everything you have, your portfolio is limited. And it's very narrow in the financial world, they would say. Right? But when you recognize the worth of what's there, you're willing to take that risk. And there is risk. Let's face it. Let's be honest. There is risk. Because what if Christ doesn't turn out to be everything that I've heard about? What if it turns out to be something different? Right? And so there's a trust issue there. There is a reliability issue there. And we are putting it all out there. And all that other people are going to say about us possibly when we give our lives to Christ and make him Lord over everything that we have. And they're going to say, it ain't going to last. Maybe they say that about you. It's not going to last. I give you three months and you'll be back with the rest of us. Maybe when you turn to Christ, somebody said that to you. I give you three months. I give you six months and you'll be back. You won't do it. You won't do it. It's worth it, friends.
It's worth the risk. It is worth, and I'm telling you something else. God is faithful. He will never leave you nor forsake you, the Bible says. He will never leave you nor forsake you. He is reliable. He is trustworthy. He, can, he is dependable. We can rely on him. When you find something that is worth the worth of the kingdom of God. Paul, in Paul's words, he says, everything else he considers rubbish. Garbage compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, the Lord. Sometimes we as believers turn away from the truth. And you see that once in a while. And you'll see people that have, have uh, come to know Christ, and, and then after some time, maybe a few years or something, they turn away. They turn away from the truth, and, and they, they follow lies, or they, they, they get disillusioned. They uh, for whatever reason, and, and you can fill in the blanks as to what that reason would be, and people turn away from the truth. And we see that. Sometimes because serving Christ is not easy, we expected Christ to make everything easy in our lives. How many of you know that's not the way that it goes? Right? It don't go that way. All right? Life is hard. Life is hard, okay? All right? But God promises that he'll be with us every step of the way. He'll never leave us, and he'll get us through. And we, we've talked about the uh, footprints in the sand, you know, and I, I just love that. And you, you see the water that's, you know, gently washing up on the sand, and you see these footprints, and, and, and uh, the man is looking over this, these footprints, and he's like, Lord, why is it that when it seems like I'm going through the most difficult things in my life, that there's only one set of footprints. Why would you leave me when I needed you most? And the Lord says, my child, I never left you. It was during those times when you see only one set of footprints that you were so weak that you couldn't even walk. And I carried you. Those are my footprints. Those are my footprints. And that just creates a vivid, visible, in a sense, tangible almost, view of Christ. Scripture goes on to say again, the kingdom of heaven in verse 45 is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. Again, with the pearl, right? They're, they're worth a lot. When he found one of great value, he went away and again, sold everything he had and he bought it. In both places, it says, sold all he had, sold everything he had. Because the pearl was worth more than anything that he had. He recognized its worth. Friends, that pearl is Christ the Lord. That pearl is the kingdom of God. 
And when we have that pearl, it is worth more than anything else in all of our lives. The Bible talks about it as a treasure. We have this treasure in jars of clay, the Bible calls it. Um, Let's turn there as well. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Are you with me today? I want to, um, there's some commotion in the back row over there. Can we just? 2 <laughs> Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. Yes, yes, yes. But listen to this. It says, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It says, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not abandoned. We're struck down, but we're not destroyed. We always carry around in us the body, the, the death of Christ Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. I heard somebody say one time, why are you guys so obsessed about a dead guy? <laughs> Looking back, that, you know, it's got some merit to it, I guess. Why are you so obsessed about a dead guy? Because that guy was the son of God. He was the Messiah, and he fulfilled over 400 scriptures, prophecies in the Bible. And it changed the course of mankind. And it redeemed mankind from hell. We were doomed to hell because of our sin and because of Christ Jesus. The Bible says in John 3, 16, for God what so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believe on him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved the world, you and me, so much that he gave his only begotten son. But God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world. No but to save the world through his son. Through his son. The Bible says that from the foundation, Christ was crucified from the foundations of the earth. Think about that. That's, that's really deep thinking. This dead guy, okay, I don't even like saying it. All right, it just makes it sound so common, so irreverent, but our God. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the almighty. 
The Bible says, slain from the foundations of the earth. That means when the foundations of the earth were being formed by God, his plan was for Christ to be crucified. Slain from the foundations of the earth. That is some really deep stuff. And it kind of changes the perspective a little bit. We have this treasure in verse 7 in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, what? The power of God, the power of redemption is from God. It's not from us. And down in verse 18, so we fix our eyes on what is not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Think about that. We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is only temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. When I do funerals, I try to remind people not to get distracted by and consumed by what is temporary and ignore what is eternal. Don't be consumed by what is temporary and ignore what is eternal. Isn't that something? This life, all that we know that ends in death and to us is the end of everything. But God has something yet that's just beginning. We were created to be with God. And in the Bible it says, in my Father's house are many rooms. I go there to prepare these, a place for you. If it were not true, I would have told you so. And he says, if I go there to prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back to take you to be with me, that you may forever be where I am. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? God wants us to be Forever, forever with him. It's that desire, that father's heart that he has towards his children that we be with him. Would you stand with me today? You know, sometimes I think that, that we, as Christians, as believers, we take for granted what we have in Christ. And sometimes we might want to trade back that pearl for something else of less worth. That we might want to trade some of the truth of God for a lie. And we know that sin feels good for a time, but it always catches up to us. It always catches up to us. 
I challenge you today to make the Lord Jesus numero uno en su vida, number one in your life. Number one in your life. Invite Christ to be in the pilot's seat of your life. You know, we all, there's, the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man. And in this life, it's, we often plan things, right? And planning is good. It, it helps to keep things organized. It helps to achieve goals and things like that. But the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man. But in the end, there is destruction. If we don't keep Christ first in our lives, we are open for destruction. We can, even as believers, get off course and stray away from the truth because of our own desires, our own desire to achieve, our own desire to have, our own desire for, for uh, notoriety, our our desire for money and power and things like this. These are the things that the world has to offer. And yet, when we come to the end of our days, none of it goes with us. We can't take any of it with us. Not even the most precious. But that pearl of great price, that oil well that we gave everything that we had to purchase. That carries from this life to the next life. 